0: I'm Rashmi Dubey. Welcome to Rethink Future Thinking Now, where I help businesses become more strategic, sustainable and diverse. Moving your business to the future now. Hello and welcome to this week's episode where I'll be interviewing Marina Bradford who is a consultant on procurement and sustainability matters, a connector, an impact advisor and an entrepreneur. She helps organisations to implement sustainable operational practices and leverages buying power for the positive change. Marina was born in Russia, educated in the UK and has lived on three continents and worked in over 19 countries and still counting and is passionate about supporting solutions that can help address social and environmental challenges we are all now facing marina has founded burmy consultancy that forces on promoting and enabling sustainable procurement and consumption resource efficiencies waste management and impact business models without further ado i'd like to welcome marina Hi, Marina. Welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on Future Thinking Now and Rethink, um, talking about the future, talking about now and talking about businesses. And your specialty is in procurement and sustainability consultant and work internationally with both public and private sectors. So welcome.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you, Rashmi. It's a pleasure to be on this podcast and amongst the lineup of amazing people that have come before me. So I look forward to discussion today.
0: (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. So, well, I mean... Let's talk about sustainability as a starting point because it's such a huge topic. But sustainability is a way of thinking and it's considering aspects and implications beyond it solves my problem. Um, it's often maybe the case where the focus is with products and services. But perhaps you can tell us more about what sustainability means and why you believe there is a benefit to the SME.
1: Sure. Um, well, let's start with, yeah. So what is it? So sustainability is really about considering the impact of our actions on our ecosystem and community beyond the immediate future. So when you say it's about the products or services, well, it should, it should be like that because of what it is now. It's really about thinking about sort of the longer term, the next generations or sort of beyond our lifespan, beyond what we can really see. So it is then is the balance of resources and capital. to so make sure we don't take up too much and we don't upset the balance that exists in the nature in the long term. And we have really done it now, so we don't need to redress it. So with that, um, one thing to bear in mind is anything that we do draws on resources um, in nature. Even if you think of breathing and walking, which is one of the most sustainable ways, I guess, of, of movement, we still exhale CO2, right? So emissions. Um, and we obviously have to eat food to energize ourselves. So then if you scale all of that up and all of the other human activities, we can see that you know we have certain impacts we cannot really escape. So it's really about managing in a way that works longer term for others around us, um, human ad- otherwise. And so also one thing to mention, sustainability is often interchangeably used with the notion of regenerative, et cetera. And I think for me, there's a bit of a distinction we need to always bear in mind. Sustainability is really about maintaining the balance or redressing it, as which is where we're at now. Regeneration is then about adding value and sort of creating something that wasn't there before in a sort of positive notion. So whether it's in agriculture or anything else. But we can't get to that point until we have managed, I suppose, the, the, the issues um, and the damage we have done now. So we kind of need to think about it as one of the components that we need to strive towards. Um, within that concept
0: it's interesting and i loved your example in that because it's just like if we just draw it back from from an um a business perspective um because predominantly i think those are our, our our listeners for this podcast is um walking and eating you know let's let's just take it back to the fundamentals that that is sustainability. So if we start thinking we are using resources, you say in terms of that, and we need to keep a balance. It's a check. It's a check and minus list, isn't it? it, it essentially, that that that's what it is. Um, but you know, it's just getting people to rethink. And what I talk about pivoting is, and the reason I talk about pivoting is, we could be standing at um, a position of one vantage position and that is what we're going to see because we can't get the 360 degrees we're probably going to get 180 degrees but simply by pivoting and it could just be the smallest shift you suddenly see a whole different perspective it's almost like oh the grass is greener on the other side
1: absolutely and it's also sometimes what we try to see what we've been trained to see and the words that we kind of utilize have certain associations in our minds so if you change the words or change the perspective, then all of a sudden it becomes quite different. So like if you think about value in terms of instant gratification or need that maybe didn't exist or did exist, but wasn't satisfied. You know, if you think about iPhone that I'm holding in my hand. Right. So, you know, the value is about the fact that it's differentiated or the fact that it does all of this functionality here. So I'm thinking of it in those terms and therefore I need the new one because it will give me, you know, even more status, perhaps more functionality if you then think of value in different terms, and if you think of value in terms of, okay, so value additive, but you know, what did it take to get to that point? And does the net result of that value become negative or positive? And for whom is it just for me? Or was somebody else involved in this process, all of a sudden, having 25 apps versus having five apps that I may have had on the previous model? I'm not sure whether it's as valuable anymore. So some of those sort of things as we can think as businesses as well. Um, in terms of what we offer as value, but also what we take as value from our supply chains, kind of rethinking that a little bit gives a very different perspective.
0: And that's important, actually, and the value in terms of the supply chain. So there, there are a number of businesses that are part of the supply chain, uh, particularly for the public sector. So how, how can the public sector have a sustainable procurement process? public
1: sector is like at the heart of it <laughs> and I think for me sort of the separation of between um, the, the SME probably have a different perspective to look at it but obviously the, the public sector so there's differences within the public sector right so they're going to be central government local governments there'll be certain challenges in terms of the pressures that they have to work on But um, at the end of the day, they are the main spender in the country. So a lot of money goes through the procurement processes by central or local governments. So it's about, I think, one third of the overall GDP in the UK is actually procurement spend. Um, And it's in billions. I think it's something like um, 20 billion or something, 120 billion it was last year. So if you think about the scale of that, now this is covering... right? And so government is a huge client, obviously, for a lot of organizations, large or small, um, SMEs being very big players, I think about 90% of businesses in the UK are SMEs, which means if the government puts the process in place, whereby the certain requirements um, are embedded from the supplier selection to the way the contracts are managed, to the way the products and services that are being commissioned, all of a sudden, the market will move in that direction because they need to be in that business. And this is what's currently in demand. And so with the government kind of direction, the markets get created. So I think the role is super important because if you don't embed that, the message we are sending out to the market is essentially, it's nice to have, it's a good marketing conversation. But actually, if it's through the procurement processes, that becomes the core value proposition. And that's how it becomes assessed. Um, what i 've seen so far is examples I guess there 's been some good attempts from the procurement processes, so there are guidelines, there are tools um, whole life si- life thinking isn't no longer sort of it 's not a term that no one 's ever heard of. kind of people talk in those terms, but it 's often still not really given as much weight or importance. Um, cost is still the driver, especially in public sector due to sort of transparency and challenges. And the other big problem with, I guess processes sh- sh- change is the fact that there's a lot of silos within the government sector between procurement organizations who are trying to drive the process, the those departments who set the targets um, and those who where the money comes from. So that kind of coordination there needs to be a little bit more from public sector to allow and empower the procurement functions to make the decisions that will favor more sustainable outcomes over the cheaper ones in, in the immediate term. And that balance isn't quite there yet.
0: And do you think the supply chain themselves, particularly the SME on this, on, on, on this particular topic, um, if they collaborated with others, may be able to achieve a better sustainable goal through the collaboration?
1: Absolutely. Collaboration plays a huge role because... Um, a lot of the challenge comes from the fact that technology might not either yet be available or is available, but not affordable to smaller businesses. Or they may not have resources to either acquire, embed or kind of put all of the practices. Like to think of a smaller business that may be sourcing their products or materials from China, for example, or from other sort of Asian countries. They may not have the resources to, to visit and, you know, to make the decisions around the transparency and kind of enforcement. But if they can pool their resources and their demands within their sector, within their industry, collaborate and even better collaborate with the government, if that's who they supply supplying to, the buying power and just the power to influence change and in resources available to make that change becomes that much greater. And also you're sharing the knowledge because a lot of it is around skills and kind of understanding and awareness um, and, and sort of specialism. And so if you're sharing knowledge around how certain problems can be solved, whether that's decarbonisation, whether that's, you know, the solutions around reverse logistics or packaging solutions, a lot of conversations often in smaller businesses, you know, where do I get sustainable packaging? Well, even starting with what is sustainable packaging, you know, and having that sort of collaborative um, discussions or collaborative ways of working or buying or, or selling would greatly kind of push the, the efforts forward
0: it's because people have different definitions don't they from their starting point and that, that that's the problem so you really need almost like a universal language to say this is what we mean by sustainability this is what we mean by um, w- whatever it is even and understanding that an audit and what's involved in an audit process of your own supply chain to be transparent and to ensure things are Properly adhered to. Um, so th- that's probably quite a lot of work that everybody has to do. <laughs> I don't think and it's think going you to happen nailed, overnight.
1: You've just nailed it on the head because the definition terminology and what we call sustainability buzzword bingo, that's mm-hmm. kind of everywhere, isn't it? Because if you just think about the acronyms, right, there is SDGs, there is ESGs, there is CO2s, there is carbon, the GHD. I've just thrown lots of words at you. They might not mean for most, you know, anything to most people who are listening to this, but they actually have something behind, but they're not actually... Often nobody stops and kind of thinks, okay, what do we mean sure. by this? You know, when I say I want to be sustainable business, what is that? You know, If I'm saying sustainable packaging, what is that? What is net zero? And if I wanted to commit to that what does it actually mean in practical actions because the world is actually scientifically based
0: <laughs> and and what what they what they sometimes hear and I'm, again i'm only talking about from the sme perspective at the moment is what they think they hear is oh god this is going to cost me money i don't have money particularly at the moment i'm in the middle of a pandemic this should not be on my list and that is a crucial mistake because really what it should be is actually on the list it should be at the board level or whatever or you know board structure you have it should be in that business plan you need your kpis in that and the reason is um if you because you know fundamentally it's about processes it's about people you know it's about the planet but actually it also hits your bottom line because you do make more money because of sustainability
1: or you just make money full stop in the longer term because that actually sometimes is a bigger question for some businesses and Easter Island is a great example of sustainability gone wrong, right? So in Easter Island, um, all we know now of them is left is the, fig- the figures. But it's well documented that those stone figures were actually built using a lot of um, wood that was growing on the island. And they've just used up all of it because yeah. that was the priority for them at the time. So for us, it's money and profits. For them, this was building cultural artifacts. They've used up all of the trees. They were not replenished and the trees provided the food the construction material for living and everything else. And they're just no longer there. Right. So it's a really interesting example for me is kind of what that might look like, because we do have only one planet and resources are repl- you know not replenished. Um, a lot of them disappear. For example, f- phosphate um, is one thing that is critically endangered yeah. uh, and very scarce and various predictions go between 40 and, and you know 100 years. But that just means that if your business is dependent on any of those resources, you're just not going to be around for that much longer. That would be kind of one of the implications. Um, If your business operates in areas that are impacted by the climate change and natural disasters, which has recently, obviously, you know, we've all seen a lot of that and much more frequently than before, then your insurance costs will just drive you out of business. Or when that does hit, that ultimately will, you know, spell the end of business. Unfortunately, <laughs> so it's becoming quite practical in terms of not even competitive advantage, which I think often has been discussed, sort of in, at least in marketing. So if I market my business as sustainable or ethical, whatever the definition of that might be, I'm attracting more sales. I think we get into the point where I'm attracting sales full stop because yes. customers are now becoming more aware and if they're actually seeing the right messaging or the right action, more important than messaging, they're just not going to buy. And then physically if you're not going to have access to resources you need um, to produce whatever it is you're doing or to offer services it's going to be very short term
0: which which is interesting because there's two folds. there's one is um, businesses um, such as engineering and manufacturing that are supplying to other businesses so they only form part of a supply chain ever um, and they are being forced to become more sustainable. So for example, um, there, there are car manufacturers or, or car brands, um, Honda is one of them for instance, where they will only be part, you will only be part of their supply chain if you are sustainable and you're, you're, you're given a badge in, in, are you bronze silver and gold and so where how far can you go within the supply chain if you don't meet the minimum criteria you, you can't supply to them um, because it doesn't fit with their ethos anymore you yeah. know and they're really, really pushing it um on the other hand we have the fashion industry who um for all intents and purposes, are saying they want to become sustainable, you know, but how far down the chain are they looking? Are they How far are they auditing things? Um, how far are they actually providing what the consumer wants? Because due to the pandemic, the consumer has changed their perceptions of what they want to do and how they want to approach things. So, so the talk around sustainability, again, I think, is different sector by sector. And uh, each sector will have to have its own language and what it means to to work within that, I think. Um, But in terms of the UK um, Sustainable Development Strategy, set out four key priority areas, you know, action, sustainable consumption and production, climate change and energy, protecting natural resources, creating sustainable communities and a fairer world. It it is evident, and what's... and what's and how governments buy and acquire goods and services and capital make a big difference both to the ability to deliver sustainable development and its credibility to those who seek an influence so in terms of um, business what is the core piece of risk of reputation management um, as well as implementing corporate strategy do you think um, we still are a long way off. And how do you think COVID has really changed or influenced things?
1: I think COVID has had a really interesting effect um, and kind of exposed certain areas, uh, maybe changed some perceptions, but also probably shown the light on sort of the how dire the situation may be, really, I think. So on the one hand, if you look at it, um, obviously in the lockdown, you know, for a few months, we've realised we don't need as much stuff as we probably did before change the habits in terms of what we buy, where we travel, you know, real shifts and what kind of um, what we are seeking really. And we probably haven't been bombarded by the ads as many as much as previously had happened. And therefore, we're not really looking for as, as much stuff as before. Um, the travels reduced and people talking about working from home and kind of all of that sort of stuff. If you look at the statistics, the emissions have dropped by about 14% in the world, right? And this is with the pandemic with multiple countries shut down almost completely for a few months. Um, And this is just a comparison 2019. Um, And then if you then sort of start seeing how the behaviors were manifesting themselves when the lockdown in different countries really um, were opened up in the uk there were huge queues going shopping for clothes again right so that kind of then questions
0: but only for certain brands Sorry? it was it was it was only for certain brands um and awesome. do you do you think it was for every brand well I, I can judge
1: by either what i've seen on the news or what i've seen in face to face when i've gone out to town kind of ventured out sheepishly okay and i think from the news it was the same brands that previously were in the news for not doing the right thing so Correct. to the point yep. of have we changed that consumption and have we changed what we're looking for, I think the mm-hmm. sort of questions probably remain, but of course, you know, it, it can be always the same for, you know, different purposes and needs and there's always going to be groups of population who will, you know, remain interested in that. But then if I think about how I'd ventured out and, you know, what was available, obviously not as many people but you know it was very similar to what I'd seen previously so it's quite interesting that some habits probably haven't changed as much but I think awareness has increased drastically and I think people have had the time to research as well as to kind of listen and do something else I think awareness have obviously increased and and, and actions and therefore businesses have responded um, to that as well Um, on that the other thing to kind of look at I think for me is it exposed a lot our reliance on supply chains and it exposed a lot, lack of resilience, lack of diversification of supply chains, larger businesses, smaller businesses, even more so. And so when the sourcing comes from, you know, very limited places, we are very dependent, dependent on how they're going to be dealing with the circumstances, but ultimately dependent on availability. Um, If, you know, the situation changes again and sort of climate disasters strike somewhere else, Um, And that just means that we become independent on something we didn't even know was in our supply chains. And I think that's the other thing that became quite apparent that it's so complex. But actually, you know, even conversation with the masks and the single use plastic all the way up until pandemic, there was a huge push. Right. There was a lot of conversation around their own mugs and not having the coffee cups and not having single use. I know. And then we've had had to go back. back. And it's interesting how that's been dealt with as well. Like I I go to Pret, for example, and they would refuse to give me a coffee in my own mug. I'll go to Starbucks and they'll take like a huge mug and put my mug in it. So not the single use. And they kind of found a workaround. But I think there's been like a lot of interesting dynamics around that. And the amount of obviously, you know, plastic waste and the single masks we see on the streets. So it's quite interesting. I guess it changes in one place. Priority
0: shift, it comes somewhere else. And it moves. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Um, one, one of my last questions was really um, on the circular economy, you know, a concept that's not new, um, but it's newly remembered. Um, I mean, it's relevance in sustainable discussions and resources, you know, which we, you touched upon and you said right at the beginning, you know, we, have, we haven't got, you know, limited unlimited resources that they're finite so um you know why don't we sort of expand a little bit more on the waste you know and how waste is and it's designed for
1: well circular economy just like you said it's not a new concept right it's something that everybody has lived with um, up until probably 1960s and that was sort of just the norm purely because of the limitations around resources or amount of finance uh, to acquire the new ones but circular economy essentially revolves around the three principles right designing out of waste and pollution keeping products and materials in circulation and regenerating our natural systems. and so the idea is that as the natural systems are designed in a way where everything becomes an energy or food or something else, and nothing goes to waste, um, that's how we want to have our economy working in the same way. And if you think about economy or I guess our ecosystem as a budget, we have an allocation for everything, and once that's been spent, we can't really borrow. We only go to one planet, so we can't go into any kind of deficits like governments can do. And I think that's what probably one of the mind shifts, you know, because governments have all of the sort of negative figures and all sorts of things. We balance it eventually somehow. It doesn't work out on the planet. And so, if you think about the Earth overshoot day, which this year was only two weeks earlier than it was last year, and it still was, you know, six months before the end of the year that kind of tells us quite a bit and this is already accounting for the pandemic.
0: Yeah, because that that came in August and last year was July and I think it was slowed down a little bit because of the pandemic and everybody was in lockdown, essentially. That that, that was my understanding of reading, yeah.
1: It's only two weeks, even though with all of that sort of, you know, shut down of a lot of industries and governments,
0: It and only that two just weeks, tells yeah. you
1: know, how much more we have to do, how much more drastic we have to do in terms of results.
0: But it also shows that it's doable.
1: It's doable if you literally change the way But the we just it. can't all be
0: locked down. <laughs> yeah, but we need to, we need to find exactly. a
1: way. But it, like you say, it is doable, but it shows you what it takes. Mm. And it takes a drastic change. It takes rethinking and it takes motivation um, of everybody together. And that's a collaborative piece as well. You know, it's not a sort of one business or one sure. government. It has to come together for that to work and so with circular economy i guess if you think about you know so what is the motivation here right besides the fact that doomsday is coming which it will come two weeks <laughs> later which is you know still positive but i think the key thing is you know we we can do a lot because resources is something that we already have used and so there's enough materials in circulation around we have enough clothes to clothe everybody. It's just about then, you know, reusing and extending, etc. It's about rethinking, however, saying the value we get out of the materials. It's rethinking the word waste in a way, because you know, the way we think of waste um, can also I think shape sometimes how we treat it. So I'm working on a project in Malawi at the moment around the waste management feasibility. And in the local language, the word waste isn't understood the same way that we understand it. It actually refers specifically to the organic food that is left over from after you've eaten it and it goes to feed the, the, the
0: animals. So, this goes back to what we were talking about language and words and how it's important and the definitions and how we all need to have a common language, but related either to sector or, or exactly. countries. So, so we, we, we have full understanding. Exactly. And so,
1: we actually, redesign so. waste and we can actually think of it as something underutilized, or we think of it as something else which will then spur lots of yeah. lot new ideas. And you know they exist, solutions exist. And if I think back of how I grew up in, in Russia and I was born in Soviet Union, um, I wrote a blog about it at some point, just looking at sort of things where every day for us, You know, I used to queue up on a Saturday to hand in our cardboard and newspapers for a couple of coins, because that was a thing everybody used to do every weekend we used to buy drinks from you know a massive barrel outside of supermarkets carrying our own vessel like a big bucket um and that was just kind of the way things were and now these are innovative ideas of you know reusing materials and bulk buying right so we just need to remember go (laughs) back
0: well i think i think i recall i recall when i was a young child in 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 england that we we did that with um glass bottles
1: glass bottles
0: so i think i think we did that with glass bottles what an absolutely fascinating discussion thank you so much for today i mean we we've, we've touched upon so much you know basically if we just break it down to considering you know our own actions and how it impacts um, the world in terms of resources and it's actually just a checks and balances account so and we've got no deficits you know we, we can't go can we can we extend into our overdraft please <laughs> because there isn't one it's only one planet and this is what we've got um but actually businesses and um, particularly smes can be so much more sustainable we can work collaboratively um the public sector is one of the key ways of trying to help actually working together with the sme um in terms of procurement and making them uh, more sustainable Uh, by sharing knowledge as well as um, uh, resources in in terms of how they can move forward. And really, it's about changing our habits. So it's harder for us to change our habits, but we have become more aware. So maybe that will lead us to changing our habits. Um, And um, hopefully, businesses are going to respond in a positive way through this pandemic so thank you for that but before I let you go hopefully (laughs) hopefully I've recapped that I think you've summarized (laughs) it much better
1: than I actually said any of those things so actually that's a summary I'm going to listen to once again afterwards (laughs)
0: um I always ask my guests before they go and if they can recommend either a book or an artist musician um um, that they like I'm
1: gonna go with an artist musician and I'm gonna go with Jack Johnson um, and hey. interestingly enough, very fitting to the theme, which was not quite the intention. But then I realized that, oh, there is a connection. So Jack Johnson, for those who are not familiar with his work, he's a rock artist. Um, and so if you like the sound of guitar and acoustics, that's amazing. My husband actually introduced me to him. But what connects Jack Johnson to the topic of discussion today is that he has been a, a very active advocate and an activist in sustainability space and he set up a number of foundations, a number of programs around the uh, protection of environment and actually I went to his concerts uh, about two years ago and the entire concert was around elimination of single-use plastic so it was dedicated, we had lots of banners and lots of sort of messages so he was trying to use music and his art to derive that change through his followers which I think is amazing because uh, that doesn't happen Fantastic. very often in that sort of industry.
0: I know. Any particular song you think you lean towards for
1: him? We tend, tend to sing his songs in, in the car, but the one that... Don't... I'm not going to <laughs> attempt to sing any of it, but I'll just direct you what? to... What? Come website. on!
0: <laughs> we could have a quick karaoke, no? <laughs> yep,
1: karaoke in the car and sustainability songs. <laughs>
0: So there we have it, it's Jack Johnson <laughs> and let's let's try and save the world while we can. Exactly,
1: just one song at a time, <laughs> wearing what we have in our wardrobe, simple accent. <laughs>
0: Brilliant, thank you so thank much for you. your time today, I really appreciate it and um, look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks for having Take me, care. it was my
1: pleasure. Thanks. Bye.
0: I've been Rashmi Dubey from Future Thinking Now, helping your businesses become more strategic, sustainable and diverse and meeting the future head-on now. For more information, please visit com and subscribe to below to our podcasts to find out who we're interviewing next from the industry's greatest.